the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you have a Bible, uh, I'd like you to turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses uh, 1 to 12. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's, I think it's printed in our uh, outline. If not, we're going to read them anyway, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening on the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of, of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Uh, this is one of the great stories in, in the gospel. Uh, it's, it's so critical that it appeared on two other accounts in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you're, if you're studying the Bible, if you're reading this story, or if you're preparing to preach or teach on this subject, there are so much spiritual and theological insight that you can use and you can discover for yourself. Uh, you have plenty of options to approach this story, okay? Uh, you can talk about faith when you read this story, certainly the faith of the paralyzed man. When you want to talk about faith, mixed with love, you can really look at the four guys who took this paralyzed man to Jesus and sparing uh, no uh, hindrances and tore a hole on the roof to bring him down. You can talk about their love and their faith. Uh, you can talk about hope, you know, the presence of Jesus in the midst of suffering. Reading this story, you can also talk about unbelief, you know, those teachers of the law who questioned Jesus for forgiving the man's sin. And, of course, you can talk about miracles. There's a big miracle that was happening here. But above all of that, as significant as all of these 
aspects of the story, this story is first and foremost about forgiveness. The awesome power of God's forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big piece of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I'm not preaching this morning about forgiveness because we don't know it or haven't heard a sermon on it. I just want to reiterate that forgiveness, the awesome power of God's forgiveness is a central piece of the gospel. Why? Because forgiveness is the driving force behind the love of God. It drives home, so to speak, God's love that secures our salvation. Without forgiveness, there'll be no credibility to God's compassion, His grace, His mercy, truth, long-suffering, our salvation, and our redemption, and the shed shedding of the blood of Jesus. It has no credibility. Those things have no credibility if there's no forgiveness of sin. Our salvation, which is the greatest miracle, by the way, in the Bible, would not have been possible had not God decided to forgive. We shouldn't take this awesome power of forgiveness lightly. You know, if I were to give uh, uh, an emotional human equivalent uh, uh, to, to what's the most challenging thing that God has ever encountered in His life, I would say that forgiveness is one of the most difficult things that God had to do. It cost Him His one and only Son. So I don't think that forgiveness is cheap. And this message this morning is about understanding forgiveness from the standpoint of God giving it to us. Cost heaven everything. It cost the life of Jesus. So the emphasis of the message this morning is how we can practically see what God has accomplished when He decided to forgive us of our sin. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not going to talk about us forgiving one another, but there's a whole sermon for another day for that. Today, it's about understanding or getting some insights to consider when it comes to God's forgiveness, His awesome forgiveness as it applies to each and every one of us. There are five insights based on this story to consider regarding the awesome power of God's forgiveness. And I know what you're thinking. He's got five points this morning. So let me say in advance, forgive me. Okay? Five insights based on this story to consider regarding the awesome power of God's forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is the primary purpose of preaching. At least in the preaching ministry of Jesus, forgiveness is front and center. That's, that's important to consider. John the Baptist testified as the forerunner to Jesus when he cried out in the wilderness, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the, 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 for, the, 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 the foretelling of the coming of Jesus is already premised by the fact that he will be bringing a message of the kingdom of God, and at the heart of that is the issue of repentance and reconciliation made possible by God's awesome power to forgive. So the preaching of Jesus is characterized by that central truth that God is now ready to reconcile us and redeem us 
because he has decided to forgive us. We now have direct access to God's holy and mighty presence in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verses 1 and 2 again in, in, in our text. It says that Jesus went back to his adoptive hometown of Capernaum. And there's so many people there uh, that has gathered to do what? To hear him preach. Okay? Because at the heart of his preaching, anywhere he went, at the heart of Jesus' preaching, what this awesome thing about forgiveness. And you might be wondering, okay, why was Capernaum the town of Jesus, an adopted town of Jesus? Well, wasn't Jesus born in Nazareth? Yes, he was Jesus of Nazareth, but why wasn't he going home to Nazareth? Uh, we found that out because when he went to Nazareth and he went to the synagogue, he often preached in the synagogue. He took the scroll, opened it in the book of Isaiah, and he quoted a passage of Scripture there. And he quoted this verse in Isaiah. Behold, the acceptable of the year, the acceptable year of the Lord has come. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the brokenhearted and to give sight to the blind and to declare to you that the kingdom of God is now at hand. And then the Bible says that he closed that book, he gave it back to the attendant, and he said to the people in Nazareth, in that synagogue, today, those words have been fulfilled. God has now opened the door to reconcile you who are uh, sick, blind, brokenhearted, and you now have access to the presence of God. And that prophecy has now been fulfilled in me. And you know what those uh, people at Nazareth, how they responded? They responded by rejecting him. They tried to kick him out. And so he went to Capernaum. And in Capernaum, he was a superstar. He had a large following. And he continued to preach the same message of forgiveness, of redemption, and reconciliation, okay? Uh, forgiveness is accessed by repentance, which comes from the proclamation of the word. It's true then in the preaching of Jesus, and it's true now. Why do we preach the gospel? Why do we preach every Sunday? It's in the hope that we will continually recognize the awesome power of God's forgiveness. It's at the heart of that. That's why Jesus' preaching was primarily focused on that, bringing people to a relationship to God through forgiveness. And, and, and forgiveness is that white robe of salvation the Scripture talks about. No one get, gets access to God's presence without being clothed with that white robe, white robe of righteousness possible only because of God's awesome power to forgive. This is so crucial that if we want to know we are saved, that we have been made holy, that uh, we are going to heaven when we die, this is how we know that we are redeemed. We have an understanding of the power of God's forgiveness, and we also have that power to forgive. Forgiveness is essential to our salvation. That's why Jesus taught about love, about mercy, 
about grace, about compassion, about sin, about hell. He preached about the dangers of loving money, the dangers of the coming judgment, the eternal separation from God. Why do you think that Jesus went to the cross? All of that, all his preaching, all of the things that he said are anchored on that message of forgiveness. We need to recognize that deeply in our understanding of the gospel. And you're probably saying, well, Pastor, I'm a Christ- I've been a Christian for a long time, and, and I, 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 I'm sure that I know about that already. You need to bear with me. You know, I have been a pastor for a long time, and I have conducted many, many funerals. Okay? Many, many funerals. And still today, it breaks my heart to see people dying and the people around them assume (laughs) that the person that had died had been forgiven by God. I mean, I've never been in a funeral where, where people really look at this issue of forgiveness in, in, in a very serious way. Uh, every time a loved one dies, you know, there's an assumption, at least in my experience as a pastor, there was, there's an assumption that this person that died will be in heaven, that they'll be in the presence of God. And in fact, I've been in many funerals where there's so much unforgiveness within the surviving family members that you think you're attending a, a courtroom hearing rather than a wake. Forgive me if I, if I speak this way because this is a burden in my heart. The forgiveness of God is an awesome thing. Jesus died to secure it. Okay? Jesus died. He proclaimed. He preached. He lived the sinless life that none of us can live so that we can have the opportunity to be forgiven. I said all of that and I illustrated all of that to say this to everybody, those who are watching and those of us who are here. Do not die without knowing that you have been forgiven by God. Do not die without having forgiven anyone who has sinned against you. It's still part of the gospel message. We still have to deal with it. We need to deal with the fact that we needed forgiveness from God and that we needed to forgive people who have sinned against us. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, listen, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, how crucial is forgiveness in the words of Jesus? I don't think I need to defend those words. Jesus was serious about this. Jesus is saying, I'm going to die on the cross for this. <laughs> okay? So you people better understand that at the heart of the kingdom message, at the heart of the gospel, is this thing that you need to deal with. It's called forgiveness. And you and I must reckon with that. Yes, I heard about that, Pastor. Don't take it lightly. At least, like as, as we have opportunity, we need to look at this. Again, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul says this. 
He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, speaking about, God, about God's reconciling power, uh, uh, God's reconciling power uh, to, to, to both Jews and Gentiles alike, Paul wrote this about Jesus in Ephesians 2.17. He says, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar, afar off, those who were, of you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now, Jesus preached. What, what was it that Jesus preached? Jesus preached the fact that we are all separated from God. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter in Paul's context, whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, it doesn't matter. Everyone has been separated from God because of sin. But Jesus brought us peace. And what mechanism accomplish that peace? You guessed it. Forgiveness. Now there's a second thing that we need to consider about this whole issue of forgiveness. And that is forgiveness is pursued in penitent perseverance. Forgiveness is pursued. That's talking about us when we're pursuing this thing by faith. Forgiveness is pursued in penitent perseverance. Faith does not assume forgiveness. Faith pursues forgiveness with penitent perseverance. Penitent means repentant heart, a contrite heart. You and I cannot justify our faith without being penitent or having a contrite or repentant heart that perseveres in pursuing it. Look at our text again in verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Uh, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening on the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man uh, that was lying on the mat. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Being desperate for God to do something and pursuing that, pursuing, uh, that thing that we want uh, to get into God's presence is not a lack of faith. It's a sign of great faith. Jesus saw that the faith of this paralyzed man and his friends, those people that are bringing him to Jesus, Jesus saw that their faith was very tangible. They persisted on you know, they were persevering in this whole thing. Uh, Jesus saw right through it. You know, we do not know much about this man. Unfortunately, in this story, we were not told much about him, okay? We didn't know why he was paralyzed. We certainly don't know many things about the, these guys that helped him come to Jesus. But what's very clear in this story, what they had this persevering faith. They, they pursued this thing. You know, they weren't just saying, well, you know, let's, let's wait our turn until we get to Jesus and, you know, uh, you know, let's see what happens next. No, that's not their attitude. They persisted on it. They, they were pursuing something. You know they, they, you know, they were committed to getting this thing done, okay? 
you know, his, he, either this man had really, really good friends or he paid them to bring him there. Take your pick. I think that they really love this guy enough to persevere and take, take him to Jesus. But, um, but it's very clear. Uh, they substantiated their faith by pursuing Jesus with penitent perseverance. You know, we, we, um, we had the privilege of uh, visiting Jerusalem some years back. And uh, we wanted to see the, the, the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre. You know, the, purport, the, the, the purported uh, burial place. The purported uh, tomb of Jesus. The problem was there were so many people lining up uh, to, to, to see the sepulcher, you know. <laughs> people from all over the world are doing their pilgrimage. They were lining up, long line, very long lines. There's a three-hour wait so that they can go to the sepulcher and kiss the tomb of Jesus, okay. It was a, the wait was about what, two, three hours long? And I said to myself, do I really want to do this? But like in any parts of the world, there are always scalpers, right? So one of these guys came up to us and says, you know, we, I can sell you this ticket. This ticket is what you call a skip-the-line ticket, right? Like in any tourist trap areas, you know, there's a skip-the-line ticket. And he gave us an amount. I forgot what the amount is. But, you know, while we were considering it, another guy came up and says, forget about him. I have a ticket for you. This ticket is called Skip the Skip the Line. It's true. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is really happening. The ticket is called Skip the Skip the Line. And I said, okay, well, you know, let me think about it. And my wife can testify to this. I don't carry money in my wallet. So I just decided I'm not going to go do it. So what I did is I just went to some random tomb around and I just kissed it. I didn't know who it was. Okay. I didn't even know. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I said, I'm not, I didn't come all this way not to kiss a tomb. So I kissed somebody's tomb. I don't know who it was. But I went back and I told everybody, I was not going to kiss a tomb that I know for a fact is empty anyway. That's a good spot to say amen. I'm not going to line up for three hours, pay $100 to kiss a tomb that's empty. Okay? But this story is different. Jesus was there. Okay? And they were desperate enough to skip the line. To, to, to bore a hole on a roof. And the most astounding thing about this whole scene was that Jesus saw more than the, the problem of the paralyzed man. He saw more than just the paralysis. And he cut to the chase. He saw more. Instead of just saying, ah, because your faith is great and all of that, let me just go heal you right now in Jesus' name. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, in my name, that, that's what probably Jesus would have said. But he didn't do that, did he? He looked at the guy and he said to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's an amazing thing. Because faith is more than just believing and trusting. Faith 
is accompanied by a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And that's exactly what Jesus saw in that man. He didn't see the paralysis. He didn't see the physical need. Jesus saw that this person was desperate for more than just the healing. He saw his faith. Jesus saw his faith and the faith of his friends. Their faith was tangible. It was a pursuing faith. It was a persevering faith. It was a penitent faith. So Jesus gave the man what he really needed. True faith that receives forgiveness is characterized by three things. Number one, pure intentions. Okay? Pure intentions. We intend to own up to our own failures and sins. The paralytic and his friends had no hidden agenda. They truly wanted the man to be healed and they had no expectations. But they truly had faith to believe. Their intentions were pure. Number two, they have a persistent instinct. Faith doesn't give up on God's grace and mercy. That's why we pursue it. Faith is pursuing God. Faith is pursuing God and persevering in that pursuit because we don't ever give up on the grace and mercy of God. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.